This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. There's antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, americium, ruthenium, uranium, europium, zirconium, lutetium, vanadium, and lanthanum, and osmium, and astatine, and radium, and gold, protactinium, and indium, and gallium, and iodine, and thorium, and thulium, and thallium. You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay, and I'm Lynn Trafford presenting Hawke's Bay Scientists on Air on behalf of the Hawke's Bay branch of the Royal Society, T.R. Parangi. This program is your opportunity to meet practicing and recently retired scientists from around the Bay. With me in the studio today is Corinne Harrison, Senior Product Development Technologist with Springbrook Foods. Karen Harrison has lived and worked in Hawke's Bay since 1999. However, Springbrook is not. They own a world-class manufacturing facility in Marlborough, where every product that they sell is manufactured. Thus, Karen's work life is spent between Hawke's Bay and Marlborough, two of New Zealand's most prolific food manufacturing regions. Her life was not always so commute-orientated, having spent about 20 years working in the Bay. Karen Harrison was always going to be a food technologist. How did it all start? Well, with a trip to Tip Top Factory in Johnsonville and all that ice cream. Let's hear the story for ourselves. We welcome Kieran Harrison to Hawke's Bay Scientists on Air. Hello, Kieran. Hello. It's nice to be here. It's lovely to have you. You were born in Wellington. Whereabouts did you go to primary and intermediate school, please, Kieran? So I went to High Tai Tai School, um, which was a sort of community school, and it went right through from primary to intermediate. So it was quite. Um, you stayed in the same place, and then went on to Wellington East Girls College, which was just the other side of. Of the tunnel, so Through not the far. Tunnel. <laughs> I love that tunnel and I've always liked it since I was a wee girl. Was there a time in your childhood, in your schooling, where you thought, actually, I can be a scientist, or in your case, a food scientist. I think I can do this and maybe I can make a career out of it. What was the start of it all? Well, I've always leaned that way. My, my father's a marine geologist and he worked down at DSIR, so I used to spent a lot of time going down there and visiting him and seeing the kinds of things that he did. And then when I was 14 um, at Wellington East Girls College, they decided that they would have a day where you'd shadow somebody. And my dad actually helped me to just... I'm not sure how he got it out of me, what kind of things I'd like to do, but he actually explored where he thought I might like to go and found somebody at Tip Top who was a food technologist and... Because when he asked me, he said, what would you like to do? And I said, ice cream, of course. <laughs> so he actually took that on board and, and I spent a day shadowing a food technologist at Tip Top in Johnsonville. And I absolutely loved it. I loved everything she did. Um, not just the eating the ice cream, but her descriptions of dealing with complaints or trying to work through new products and how she, the steps she went through. But there was it seemed to be a lot of eating ice cream. So I thought... This is great. I'm really I passionate about this. this. And it gave me a new lease of life to look at. I'd always liked science and I'd always liked maths. I find 
I find it very grounding learning about that sort of you know that sort of thing so I really enjoyed it and then it gave me a focus from then, and I never deviated. I isn't always it? wanted it's to do that. It's wonderful, isn't it? At 14, we are quite impressionable. I think particularly girls, we're just that little bit more mature, I think, than a boy at 14. We're ready to find a focus somehow. It did, however, pull you back into how you should finish your schooling and what you should do by way of study after school, didn't it? Yeah. What happened to you? You finished your schooling at Wellington East Girls College, 1991. What happens to the then young Corinne? So I we'd, we'd explored where you could do um, food science at that point in time. The biggest degree was actually at Massey. So I went Massey Palmerston North. We're talking, yes. aren't we? <laughs> <this time? laughs> Massey Palmerston North. Ah, yeah, it was only really one at the time. So. Yeah, it was had it combined everything and a need to sort of, you know, be on my own and leave leave home as well and sort of go out in the world, but also not too far, so I could still go home. And the degree just looked incredible, and it was very very popular at the time. So it was, I think, at the time it was biggest amount of people going through. So each of the lectures were huge. Um, and was it right? When you got there, did you sit down in your lecture theatre and think, oh, I'm so pleased I did this? What, did you feel good about the degree? Uh, the first year was very science-based and very similar to seventh form. So, um, so it was, it was a lot okay. of meeting people <laughs> as much yeah. as studying. So Especially it was with such big lectures, I suppose. Oh, you yeah. would always be sitting next to somebody different, well, maybe. And different people mm. to do the labs with. and uh. Yeah, but it was very, very... We didn't actually see food as such as the whole. No ice together. cream, Karen. So no ice cream till the last year, and then it was actually more biscuits. I did my last year project on biscuits and seafood with Sea Lord. So <gasps> those were really interesting. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, great projects because um, at Massey you have um, something where you do a summer internship each year. So you work with you go out and you same thing again. You shadow food technologists in the industry. Now it's sort of done under the Callaghan research where they yes. actually funded. It's very formal and it's an amazing opportunity. And I was very lucky to shadow some some great people. I worked on a Ministry of Agriculture and Fisheries boat for one summer and then I worked in Japan for a summer in a, a kitchen and then I worked um, at Sea Lord for my final one and that's they actually sponsored me for my final year project. So it's that kind of thing that makes it real, isn't it? All the lectures in the world, everything else that you're doing by way of theory is one thing. But the minute you step out into a kitchen or into into some sort of practicum, it all falls into place. Oh definitely. And you actually have more passion in your yep. in the last year you see where this going, you start to learn what aspects of that different company you enjoy working in and all the different challenges they have, the real challenges, it's it's it is very important. So yeah, that was so Sea Lord was what I did with you know, worked with in my final summer and then did that project in my final year. So yeah. Excellent. When you leave university for just a short spell, we get the dream job, I suppose. You go to Cupity Cheese's working with ice cream. That must have been yummy. We're not going to stop there because you might get tempted to talk about ice cream for half an hour. We're not going to do that. In nineteen ninety six it's time for the big OE. Where did you go and why did you go there? So I went back to England, um, partly for family reasons to my family's from there, so 
to sort of connect with the wider family and um, also, you know, just get that OE experience working overseas. Um, and when, as soon as I got there, I went to Reading to try and work out because at the time that was equivalent degree and, you know, it was sort of a bit before the internet, I'm ashamed to say, and, and all the jobs were posted on a job board there. So I went up to the job board and, and looked through all the... And there were so many different jobs there. It was huge opportunities, probably more at the time so than here. And so I had two job offers within a few weeks, one working for a seafood manufacturer and one working with sources. And I was ready for a bit of a, a change in working with something else. So Who did I'd you go to work life. for? So I went to Morehands Foods and they they were a smaller company and they did... A calorie-controlled spray called Frylight and also a, a big range of sources. And it was working with the guy that had founded it, and he was he was very innovative Egyptian guy, but huge opportunities there, travelling around Europe. You kind of almost did a development and sales role. So we used to do the big trade shows, show the products, and um, talk to customers about them. So get really, really close to customers and what they needed. And then go back and be able to develop them. And being a small company, it was all quite quick. <laughs> you know, it was very easy to develop. A good foundation, really, for you, because you were there, what, about four years, something like that. It must have been a wonderful building block. You would have come back to New Zealand, as you did in 1999, with a huge amount of confidence and feeling as if you'd kind of nailed it somehow. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a great opportunity for you. Yeah, you get to do, being in a smaller role, you get to do all sorts of different aspects of the company, get exposed to everything, all the challenges, um, dealing with the factory. A lot of, I was kind of, got ended up in a role of technical manager there, which being a smaller company, there were only a few people reporting through, but it did let me see what kind of things were needed in that role. And... um, very lucky. I think it was lucky. You come back to New Zealand in 1999. Now, you had got married at some stage, and you told me that there was a wife versus husband as to where you were going to end up working in New Zealand. What happened, and how did you end up winning, so to speak? <laughs> I just got I the job first, yeah. <laughs> we, got, we came back, and we were passing through the Hawke's Bay on our way to Sydney, that we thought we'd need to go to Sydney because my husband is a computer programmer and we thought that was where he would need to be. Um, we had a young baby, so the thought process was we really need to sort of focus on his job as it would be easier to get. And then we came back to the Hawke's Bay to visit family, sort of show off the new baby. And sure enough, there was a job going at, at Watties at the time. And there were five jobs going. They were looking to do a matching role. They were only... Um, a contract, so it was only a nine-month contract. But we decided to base our whole future on that because Justin did want to stay in the Bay. And so I was lucky enough to get those roles, which I was really excited about. I know, and and how fortuitous it turned out because you've been here ever since, really, since 1999. Let's talk about some of the highlights of this job with the then Heinz Watties. That was, was... what it was called when you started work there, wasn't it? As an R&D technologist. What's an R&D technologist? <laughs> Research and development technologist. So, yeah, it was it was a amazing role. I was really excited to work for a bigger company. At the time, I'd worked for small companies, but the bigger companies have that foundation of ways of doing things. 
that is really good to learn and it was a great company to work for. It was great, it was bringing in a lot of, um, they were matching products from Australia where they were looking to close a, a factory over there and bring everything, so really invest in the New Zealand factory here, really grow that and it, it grew hugely in the time I was there and the technologist section grew up to 45 people in, in, in the height of it and we were, they were buying companies through Australia, um, Cotties and all sorts during that time and, and bringing um, the products over here, everything from beetroot to um, yeah, to sources to it really grew and the complexity grew hugely. You you won a scholarship at this time. Ah, oh, that was great. You? Yeah, I need to ask you about that because that was your bit of bit of your story as opposed to the bit of the Heinz story. Yeah. What did you win and what did you go away and do? So I looked when the kids were getting a bit older and you sort of think, oh, it's time to actually focus on what I want to do in my career. And for me, it was about exploring and learning new things. So I spotted in NZIFST a scholarship um, sponsored by Dick and Mary Earle, who are amazing people in the food industry and from Massey. And I actually studied with Mary Earle while I was at Massey in marketing. And so they had sponsored each year a young technologist now this was my final year to be a young technologist when I applied I was 39 and the cutoff was 40 so I said oh gosh quickly I've got to get in on this and um, Heinz were amazing the whole department got behind me and supported me to find out research because he had to put in a huge application it was ten thousand dollars of grant money to travel so they sponsored me on people to contact and in Europe to factories to visit um, both Heinz factories and other um, places to go to and, and all sorts of things. So I had planned a five-week um, huge trip and they had a budget of $10,000. I'd, I'd put in an application for $9,998.30, I think, which Dick Hill <laughs> found hilarious. Um, I had a car travelling to... I think it was six or seven countries and going to do some amazing, amazing things. So I was able to go down to a big interview to get that and I was um, accepted and I won it. So I went in 2012. Congratulations. I mean, how whipped you do is that? It's got to be one of the most amazing times in your life. Another little turning point, really, to be able to do that and to do it by yourself. I, I think that was wonderful. There comes a time when you change tack a little bit at Heinz Watties, and they do as well. They become Kraft Heinz Limited, and, and thus their story continues, but so does yours. You become the senior product development technologist. Now, developing products, it has a special way of doing this, does it? I'm presuming you don't just sit around on a Wednesday morning with a whiteboard in front of you saying, now, where's a gap in our market? Let's fill it with... How does it happen? So you tend to work, they've got marketers in, in, well, in our case, it was in, when I was there, it was Auckland. So the marketers in Auckland are talking to the supermarkets and kind of getting to know what the gaps are, what they think the gaps are. But um, I always found I wanted to be involved in that process because it was my passion to marketing. I actually went back in EIT and did a course there and got 96% in marketing. It is something I really, really enjoy. So I'd actually weasel my way into that process as well which was quite unusual to make sure I was 
linking it back to the factory, I guess, because they'd often come up with things that were sort of very pie in the sky, and I'd have to link it back and say, hey, our, our target market is actually people who buy baked beans. So, you know, it kind of needs to be a bit more grounded and a but twist still, on what we do. But still there's always time to shift the consumer's mind onto something else. Yeah, we used to do. We used to take something they were familiar with and kind of just twist it up, juice it up a little, so that it was familiar but a little bit special. Yes, and and it works, doesn't it? It it was really successful. It was quite. What were some of your highlights at that time when you were developing new products? What were some of the whip-de-doo things? Yeah, so we I got into all the different areas. I was always interested in in a different thing, and and with Heinz, it was a huge opportunity. So many different products they make involved with and I'd move from one to the other through soups to frozen meals to sauces to I didn't do pet food I wasn't really my passion but um, I did probably got involved in every single other piece Uh, to jams they do so many different things each different thing had different challenges and different considerations and so you'd learn all the time so I think that's what I like just the different adjustments we had things called big bets at the time where they were trying to just pick what the real winner was it was actually I'm not sure it was any easier than the non-big bets it's kind of hard it is always hard some things just resonate and some don't so we're doing a lot of frozen meals at the time we used to do them um, for Weight Watchers so we had to consider points and fat levels and sugar levels and the points the way they calculated points would always change I'd do things like I'd join Watch Watches to try and understand more what the side of the, the customer was, what things they were trying to face and consider. And I, I love working on those ones. There's just so many things to try and juggle, everything from the pack size going to the factory to make it easy for the factory boys when they're opening packets to what we can and can't do on each line to... You know, what the points targets are, what the fat target are, what the cost is. Cost's always vital. You tend to start with the cost and work out what you can put in for that cost. But you're quite right. A product's got to look good too, doesn't it? Yeah, and then what As it a consumer, like. it's got to look good and it's got to smell good and it's got to taste good. But there is, we become smarter consumers, I suppose. We want, I don't know, less salt, less sugar, less fat at various times in in our buying lifetimes. These things kind of change a little bit as, as everything else changes. But we've become quite particular in our buying, haven't we? Yeah, and what I found I tried to change while I was there and found really successful was getting more vegetables in the products. Okay. Because yeah. it seemed to me a no-brainer. Heinz was very, very strong in growing vegetables, New Zealand vegetables. And so I'd take a sauce formulation. It might be sort of starch and flavours and things like that. And I'd take almost a foundation flavour of vegetables, depending what it was, puree those up, cook those up, and make almost our own stock. Um, and then put that into the base to lift the flavour, just really give it a foundation so that the if you were adding other things, it had something to build on. Plus, it was our strength. We could get vegetables very cheaply. And we grow them really, really well in Hawke's Bay, don't we? I mean, yeah. our paddocks are full of things that you could put into your new, exciting and innovative products. Yeah, no, that was, it was a great place to work. 
There comes a time when it's time to say goodbye to Heinz Watties and to venture out onto something, I think, completely different. You went to work for Simply Squeeze. Now, Simply Squeeze is a local Hawke's Bay company that started here in the Bay in 1991. Tell us about the products there. A bit different. It was different. It was This time I wanted to go back into a smaller business and just see if I could take what I'd learned and, and help support and in this case, it was support the integration between the smaller businesses, Simply Squeezed, who are owned by a very large company, Frucor and Suntory. And they have, of course, you know, systems and, and ways of doing things that is quite hard for Simply Squeezed to, to integrate. So while I was there, there were two of us trying to just merge the companies together and, and get the best of both worlds. And there was a huge change while I was there. The products were fascinating too. I love I loved fresh juice. I love learning about the different times of the year. And there was a big thing with, with there. They had a lot of, of waste. And I worked with Callahan Research and gained a grant there to try and look at this waste and find extracts and ways of using it that were just, I absolutely loved that project. And Can we come back to Callahan? Because they are quite influential in scientific advancement in New Zealand but they usually sit alongside of or under or around another organization and in your case simply squeeze so how did Callahan help or influence the direction that simply squeeze was taken they, they just showed the opportunity so they'd, okay. they'd take the science so I'd give them the products and they'd, they used um all of the access to the food bowl, which they have in Auckland. Um, and so they'd, once we got that grant, we, and the company had to put in 10% or 20%, I think. So they had an invested interest. And I'd be that liaison. I'd take back what they worked out, see if there was a market for it, cost it up, see what kind of equipment would be needed, um, work with different, and then present to our our site and say, hey, look, I think there's a huge opportunity to make this way more profitable by using all of the orange and and not just the juice not just and the juice. that's the way we do things today isn't it in 2021 in the middle of 2021 you joined Springbrook Food now this is a family business was that a tad different I absolutely I was super excited about that aspect of it why because why you wanted that smallness again did you partly the smallness and partly just working alongside the person that had founded it it's okay and and somebody who I found quite inspiring and and interesting, the family definitely intrigues me. And the products, garlic, I absolutely love garlic. So. Well, wait on, we better go right <laughs> backwards before you start rabbiting on about garlic. <laughs> what do Springbrook Foods actually do? They they do a really wide range. It tends to be very customer driven. So the customer will come to Springbrook and say, "Hey, look." I'm really interested in a sauce or an ingredient for my product. Can you help me? And then we go, so we work all the time with customers, go backwards, and we try and design what it is thereafter based on different parameters that they give us. And But garlic was their foundation and their background, so that's how I knew them um, from the, the garlic, the making garlic. So that was really, really interesting for me. I've... It was a great company, and to get that real consumer focus has been inspiring. So, and they're busy still. They're not too influenced by COVID. One hopes. Ah, uh, they are busy. I think everybody, everybody who's supplying into 
and different different areas will have one area that's not doing so well, food service, of course, and then other areas that are picking up. And trying to even balance that is quite hard. To change directions so quickly, it, it is a challenge. Um, being smaller makes them perhaps a little, in some ways, a little easier to change direction quickly. And in some ways, they probably don't have the, you know, they don't have the uh, deep coffers of some of the, you know, the bigger companies. So it, it is pros and cons, but they adapt quickly and, and they're trying to take everything on board and always keep us informed of what the changes are and how the factory are trying to manage what's coming through, different shifts that don't talk to each other and, you know, what we all need to do and be aware of and what to do when, you know, I guess it all affects us and keep talking to customers about the delays and what's happening. So, yeah. Yeah. This is an unusual time. Thank you, Corinne Harrison, Senior Product Development Technologist with Springbook Foods. Thank you for being my guest on Hawke's Bay Scientists on Air. Corinne Harrison and I have discussed some of New Zealand's most iconic food manufacturers today, and there is much to be found online about these companies. Do give them a Google when next you have a wee few minutes to spare. You will also find plenty online about the Royal Society TR Parangi and our local Hawke's Bay branch lecture program is similarly published. Please join me every Monday morning at 9.30 to meet another practicing or recently retired scientist from around the bay. I'm Lynn Trafford. And there may be many others but they haven't been discovered. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.